Hello. Hi, Merlin. How are you? I'm very well, Dan. How are you? I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. Haven't spoken in ages. How's everything going? Way up, way up there. It's hot. Yeah. What is it? Mm-hmm. What's it like? Hot. Eighty. Woo. Well, now adjust your no, expectations. No, that's hot. No, I'm I'm saying that for there, that's hot. I had to change my conditions a little bit. What'd you do? Doing something I don't normally do. Wearing shorts. Well. Sure. <laughs> no, no, I'm uh, podcasting pantsless uh, today. Oh my god! I got uh, I got my uh, accidental tech podcast uh, T-shirt. Uh huh. It's clean, clean T-shirt. Wearing deodorant, and uh, I got some uh, pants on, as they say in <laughs> in England. Yeah, yeah. All pants, no trousers. If you know what I mean. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. This, this chair is really filthy. It's not good. Are you sticking uh, to it? No, 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 no. It's, uh, boy, this chair is really bad. It's really, really bad. No, I'm not sticking to it. Um, I have a cloth chair and, uh, there's a lot of foam sticking out near my dingus. So I got a whole situation going on. My here. God. Yeah. It's a little, we'll get a little surprise now and then like, Ooh, hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. But you know, uh, these are the things we do for love. Um, I'm at sixes and sevens with my big computer. I don't know what to do. Uh, I, yeah, I actually, you're on the laptop right now, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It went through my mind this morning in, in a flight of reverie as I woke up that, like, maybe I, should I just install High Sierra and see if that jars something loose? Yeah. Because, right, you're, you, this, like me, you are on Sierra on your main machine. Are you on High Sierra on the laptop? No. No, I'm on regular Sierra. It's something, so here's this, cut, cut all this out, this is really boring, but, but, so here's what it comes down to, and this is a strange problem. If, if anyone has an idea what this is, and you actually know what you're talking about, you know, don't, don't tell me to restart. Like, I've already done, like, 60 safe boots. <laughs> right. I've already done Command-R. I've done all of that. I've unplugged all the things and restarted the things. I've cycled everything. Don't give me the super obvious answer, but what would cause it to be that Skype, the application, opens up fine. I could talk to my friend Dan. I can talk to my friend, meaning I can text with them. I can have the conversations with them right. with the typing. So it's not that Skype, the application, can't get or receive information. It can. It's just that anytime somebody tries to call me or I try to call them, it rings and rings and rings and never goes through. Now, what do you think that is? You, you helped me a little with this. You were looking at my console output, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see anything in there that jumped out at me as being weird. There was nothing that said, like, can I, can I call? But yeah, it's, it's like, uh, it's weird because I'll call you. It'll ring. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you won't, you won't see any indication that it's ringing. And you'll call me and you'll say it's ringing. I won't get any notification it's ringing from your end. But, but, but I am able to place calls normally. And you didn't you run into this problem with more than just me, right? Oh, no, it's everybody. It's yeah. a, a form of Skype aphasia. And uh, <laughs> it's really, really frustrating. And it's probably something really dumb. I've tried all these seemingly obvious things. And I'm, I'm at that point, though, where like, I, I want to I walk right up to the edge of, mm, I'll just try changing things. Because that's not good. If you don't know, you know, it's one thing to have like a black and white TV and hit it on top and it fixes it like a freaking Fonzie. Mm-hmm. But like at the point where I'm going in and like doing new port reservations and stuff, I'm wondering if that's like such a smart idea. Because it worked fine before. Right. You, know, you were, your, that... your first theory was that maybe it was a firewall thing. And... Which seemed to fix it once. I came in on Saturday and my very good friends, Brian Hamilton and Joe Rosensteel, uh, were my guinea pigs for helping me track this down. I was able to fix it and talk to both of them on the big boy computer. 
and that worked fine. And the next time I tried it, it didn't work. My other suspect in this is a dynamic DNS app that makes sure that my domain stays mapped to my IP. Right. And that seemed to be adding DNS servers that weren't mine. So I deleted that. And I thought that might be it. But so far. So anyway, if you could think of a reason or a place to check for how you could use everything else on the Mac and have it be seemingly fine, but a Skype call can't be received or sent and not acknowledged on either end. Right. Doesn't that feel like a port thing a little bit? I mean... Because it's probably a different but, port but you for didn't transporting change, the you audio. You didn't change anything. I changed nothing. But that's, you know, things change, you know? I guess. App economy, uh, you know, my, my router restarts at 4 a.m. every day already because of my dingus. Right. Anyway, if anybody has a smart idea about what to check, I, I would be grateful. Safe boot. Safe boot. Yeah, safe boot didn't, didn't help. Well, I tried to be canny about it, like anybody cares. But what I what I would do is, so I, I you shut it down. This is this is actually good advice from Brett Terpstra. Is like, uh, you know, hey, you know, I know you know to turn it off and on, but you know, really seriously, turn it all the way off and all the way on. So, which actually does fix a lot of stuff because it cleans up caches. I think it does. Maybe it does an FSCK. It does all that behind the scenes stuff and the little white bars rolling. But if you don't know how to do this, you probably do. You remember back in the day on a Mac, if you were having crashes, hangs bombs you knew to restart with the shift key push down that would prevent your extensions from loading that would stop your extensions from loading there's probably a better name for it but in practical purposes all not extremely essential control panels and extensions would not load and this and is back in the, i guess up through system nine is up when through system nine because there would be my understanding was that there were it was pretty common to have uh, especially memory or you know ram related errors where Two different extensions, maybe loaded in the wrong order. You put Adobe Type Manager in the wrong order. Like something would happen, and they would each be clutching for this same bit of RAM and say, that's it, new dealer, and give up. And then, like, you know, you use something like Conflict Catcher. Well, today, that's still, uh, that key still does something. So you shut all the way down. You start up holding down the Shift key, and you get a real long boot where you get a little slow white progress bar. And my understanding is that that's doing a lot of, you tell me, I think it's doing a lot of cleanup, old caches. I think so. I think it, maybe it's looking, I mean, my favorite old villain, old timey villain is corrupt fonts. Like it finds all kinds of weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, Remember sure. that? You can keep looking and looking and looking until you discover you had a broken courier somewhere right, or something. Right, right, right. That was a, an oldie. But uh, yeah, so you, you do a safe boot, you bring it all the way back up. And then, you know, because I'm me, there's an old iOS trick, which was that if you were ever having problems, you would do two full restarts. It's so like you do the hold till the Apple comes up, and you hold again till the Apple comes up, and that would be like a super-duper reboot. I vaguely remember so, that. Yeah. So so I would do a couple safe boots in a row, bring it up, ran recovery. Uh, of course, at least on Sierra, I don't have um, disk repair anymore, but supposedly... FSCK will do that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's what I got to. It's probably something, as always, just really obvious that I'm missing. But it's debilitating for a person in my racket. Yeah, not being it. And this is your. This is on your main Mac, which Pro. is what flawlessly for two years. Right. Yeah. That is the big. The big machine under the desk. But you know what? Can I? Can I lob something at you that I had not prepared you for? Yes. Now, a lot of my friends. Uh, kindly, graciously, understandably say, well, why don't you try this instead? And with this, the most common this is people continue to use Skype, but 
and this just this assumes that Skype works. But a lot of people set up the Jason Snells of the world, and I don't know how you do this, but a lot of people will do Skype combined with Audio Hijack instead of Call Recorder because it's, I guess, more reliable than mm-hmm. Call Recorder. That doesn't get me around the Skype problem. But here's the question to you. And I was joking with Max Temkin about this today because Max is like, why don't you just get FaceTime and record out of that? And I'm like, well, this is the oldest question I know of in the world of podcasting from a technical standpoint. Is like once RSS was a thing where you could do podcasts, the question from day one has been, isn't there something better than Skype for doing this? There still isn't. I mean, there are... But I mean, isn't that, is, is, it not, is it not fair to say that that is a question that has been asked and oh, yeah. attempted to be answered many times? Many times. And, and like you can do, depending on what you do, yeah, there are other options. But as a general purpose solution for doing podcasts with friends and especially strangers, I don't know of another way, including the website options. I agree. There are, I mean, there the one bit of software that's out there. I think it's, I think it's ZenCaster or something like that, that is like you're talking about in the web browser. So we would both go to the web browser. I would, one of us would start the session. We'd both hit a thing and it, it sort of records it in the browser and uploads it somewhere. And, you know, but that's some of them actually like do attempt to sync it and everything. Like, yeah, yeah. It'll don't be, some it'll of be, them do like a lot of the heavy lifting of getting drift out and stuff like that. I think they're supposed to, or because they're recording together that that's an, it eliminates that. But the long story short is that's a good solution. I, I want to make sure that it's called. I've heard a bunch. I've gotten so many nice suggestions from people in the last couple of days. My friend Michael was telling me that he uses one in production that works really well. Zencaster is the one that I that you hear about a lot. You tell me. I'm going to look yeah, for that's other the one. one. And I, I put it in the show notes. And that that's nice. It records each person on its own separate track. It it's essentially synced up nicely. It'll dump it into your Dropbox uh, or Google Drive. I think. Well, I don't know if they've done Google Drive yet. There's even a little bit of editing stuff that they let you do, audio enhancements and things, which I'm I'm not a fan of. But um, apparently, it's the browser that does the recording itself. It's not like recording up on the server, and then it it pulls those files up and puts them somewhere. So that the burden of recording locally. But you, my understanding is you're still using Skype to record. It's just this also records, but. Yeah, you could you could use FaceTime. Like we could be talking to each other on FaceTime, and you would just if be you, recording. If you're always with, doing, a, if you're always 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 doing a double ender, yeah, meaning that as everybody knows, that's where each side records separately, and some right. intrepid editor puts it together. It is you know for the for the stuff I do with John Roderick, like I don't think I'm going to get him to do that. Like no way. he's got well, I, <laughs> he got call recorder installed six years ago, and we're just running with that, right? But uh, what was the other one? I wish I could find it. My friend Michael, the drummer and video game boy. What did he say to me? He <laughs> well, what we could we could be doing FaceTime, and then you would just record your microphone with uh, something like QuickTime or Audio Hijack or whatever software. I mean, I people always talk about Audio Hijack, which is great, uh, but. You can just use QuickTime, which is built into your Mac, and just record your own end with that, and ship it to the other person, and and do it that way. So, right. like, but that's not it's not ideal because we, you know we like the we like the uh, the call recorder stuff. Uh, Michael Palmer, man about town, uh, a good man, a good man, a good man. Uh, I, I I know Michael from uh, from back in the day. Michael suggests he uses something called. Zoom.us, which looks like a video conferencing type situation. Interesting to try out. Yeah, the number one video conferencing and web conferencing service. Who uh, who decides? Is that Gartner? 
That's I think they, they just that. decide that. Mm-hmm. They just do that. This is, I mean, like ours is the number one podcast in in the North, United North American continent. Oh, but, really? Are we mm-hmm. in all of North America? We, yeah. We're also the number one Mexican podcast. That's right. Hmm. You know, calor and caliente mean different things. Were you aware of that? Uh, calor is heat like in the air. That's like, you know, you, you tango calor. That's caliente the air. is the, like a flavor of heat, right? See, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. flavor. Yeah. <sighs> Chaos La Significa Day podcast. Um. Uh, so that's a fun thing that we spent 12 minutes and 29 seconds on. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We did get some lovely uh, email from listener Luke. Oh, my goodness. Hey, did you he read through us that a, He sent us a tome. Yeah, this I didn't was even finish an, it. It's like an undergrad thesis. No, <laughs> But he, Luke is a, uh, a technical expert at mm-hmm. Apple and wrote in with some wonderful tips for both you and I, because we were complaining, I don't know, complaining, we were talking about we were discussing, we were discussing some issues that we were having. And my issue is the constant sort of dropped calls, whether they're data calls, uh, like a, a Skype call or, um, or a regular phone call that seemed to happen a lot. And, uh, you were complaining about, uh, battery issues and heat, heat, caliente, Mm-hmm. Caloriente. Yes. And uh, his tips, I can summarize. The first was uh, update your carrier settings and or reset your network settings. So you'd go to settings <laughs> general about. And if a little pop-up pops up that says, do you want to update your carrier settings? Then you or I'm updating them. You, you tap OK. Do that. If it doesn't pop up, then you don't you don't need one. Right. But you can then tap the reset network settings. It doesn't erase any data or anything like that. What it does... Right. But I mean, there's a cautionary tale. Let's just say up front, like, don't do that unless you really think you need to because yeah. you lose all your Wi-Fi passwords. Right. All your Wi-Fi passwords will be gone. I was afraid it would get rid of my uh, Bluetooth connections as well. Like, it would forget those, but it remembered those. So it really seems to just be Wi-Fi that it gets rid of and dumps. And... I, I don't know. Maybe that's going to help. I haven't tried. I haven't had the chance to try my, my problem was I dropped calls. So I haven't had a chance to try it yet. Then he said, if that, if those two <laughs> options, things, you can go into option three, Dan, option three is reset all settings <laughs> set up as new phone. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just about everything you can blow away except your data on the phone. Like it, it, um, I'll quote, I'm going to read from his, his tome. He says, this is the miracle cure, little known and little spoken about holy grail of iOS troubleshooting options. This does not erase any data, but resets all of the options in the settings app to defaults. What it seems to do is clear out some hidden system files uh, and fixes all kinds of issues without you having to start over as new. I've come close to recommending this as a once every six months preventative maintenance option for iOS, though I would simply say to do it if you... um, if you ever notice slowness that is persistent, heat on the back of the device that isn't tied to heavy use or excessive battery drain. And he gives some anecdotal reports of what how it helped him. And it it does seem like this is like if you're at your wit's end and you're like, yes. nothing I do fixes it. I'm going to reformat my phone and start over. Maybe try this before you do that. But I feel like you would need to be at the point of like, 
oh my god, I, I'm going to throw the phone at the wall now before you would try this. proceeded as ever, again, you got to mention it every time, knock on wood, proceeded as ever with a full iTunes backup encrypted. Oh yeah, you got to do that. Well, yeah, there, but our that. listeners are doing it that, that weekly anyway. Yeah, every day, some, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, I, I, I agree. The funny thing is I came in this morning and I, what was I doing? I was updating the beta on my watch, Wi-Fi, iMac connected to the phone. And guess what? I get a pop-up. You have a carrier update available. And I was like, hmm, that's hmm. interesting. Hmm. And by the time I went to do anything about it, it was already installed. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. So maybe, uh, maybe that'll do it. Interesting thing. Uh, like, again, I, I, how do you put this? The reports of iOS 11 battery depleting faster on the, the reports of iOS devices having their battery deplete faster on iOS 11 are anecdotal, but very widely anecdotal. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if it's a meme or if it is a thing, but a lot of people, like I said last time, last time we talked to however many weeks ago, uh, civilians are reporting this maybe because they heard about it who knows regular people then the question becomes are to me uh the one question becomes are you seeing rapid battery depletion on for example an ipad that doesn't have cellular because then carrier settings wouldn't affect right they wouldn't you wouldn't even get that Right. That wouldn't even think be in terms possible of, of to show. Like isolating it. But you know, it's Anna Karenina. Like every, every problem's different in its own way. That's what Tolstoy said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Occam's razor. Yes, on the right track. <laughs> Hold for laugh. Um, <laughs> so, never read it. Never read it. Just know enough to make a joke. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very learned. Also, not wearing trousers. So it's been a big week. Uh, it's been a huge week. Well, thanks uh, to listener Luke for sending that in. Thank you to listener Luke. And then, then he sent an addendum after that. Yeah, he did. And he apologized he, profusely on Twitter if, if we found a typo and said, please, please don't let the typo stop you from reading the rest of the email. Typo never stops me. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I no, no, not in an email. No, no. If you see a typo in... Uh, in a web article, though, you're out. You shut the browser oh. down and, and push away you from bur- the computer. You, you burn the computer to the ground. <laughs> right. Get away. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't mind this uh, this entire administration and the people who support it getting a little bit of help with punctuation. Yeah? I know it shouldn't bother me. I know, I know it shouldn't bother me. I, I know, here's the thing, if I just had one wish, well, I got several wishes. But one of my wishes would be that the leader of the free world not use quotation marks to bold text in the same way as a sign at a gas station is a thing I'd like. <laughs> <laughs> Bathroom is for customers only. <laughs> in, in quotes. <laughs> in quotes, because that means bold. Right. <clears throat> Caloriente. These are exciting times we're living in, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ungainly X-Man Meetup, November 16th, 7.30 p.m. We'll put it in show notes. You go to that. That's going to be fun. I like to promote it because, you know, I want people to sell, I want them to sell some comics. What do you, what's it's, a good turnout for you? What, what, when you're done with the evening and you look at the group of people that showed up, I mean, is five people good? 50 people. Any amount, any amount is good. It's really nice. Sometimes the small groups can be really, really nice. I don't think there's ever been fewer than five to eight people. Uh, and that's a nice maybe, gathering, nice little gathering. It's usually around 15, 20. That's a lot. And might be 40. 
but like that's pretty rare. It's only like when Todd comes, you know. Well, he counts as ten people. Oh, oh I don't know. Should I come? I don't know. Well, I meet Star Wars and stuff. Oh, <laughs> who would want to meet me? Uh, how well, far do you think people are are coming in to get to the? That's a very that's a very good question. Um, you know, a lot of the people, some of the real standout souls who come to this are people who like truck all the way over from like the East Bay or the Peninsula. That's um, a fun, I remember when I visited San Francisco and I said, "Hey, you know, we're going to have some space to record. Why don't you come out?" And you're like, "Dan, that will take me five hours to get." <laughs> it was, you know, I, and it really and it did. Like it was like an odyssey of different kinds. The traffic of- <laughs> has gotten very very bad. My 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 wife, whom I love, works here in the city of San Francisco. Uh, admittedly on sort of the other side of town, but it's a 40-minute drive for wow. a lot of days, which is, if you think about it, considering how much of it is highway driving, that's it's pretty crazy. But also, uh, the nice thing, one reason, just so you know, I mean, I don't make any money off of this. Like, I have a box, so they give me a discount on comics, but I don't, just so you know, I'm not compensated for this. I just do it because it's fun. And the reason I keep selling it the way that I do is uh, there, are, there are reasons too. Uh, there's always two things with me. Uh, you know, the one thing is that I really love c- local comic shops and I particularly love Two Cats Comics at 320 West Portal Avenue and I want them to thrive. It is a very, very difficult time for comic stores. The year over year, quarter over quarter sales are way down right now. This is an excellent, go ask your LCS about this. It is a tough time right now. So go out and pick up some trades at your local comic shop. That's reason number one. Reason number two is sometimes, uh, somebody didn't make it to one. They say, hey, I come to town sometimes. Let me know when this is going on. And so, why do I keep telling this? You've heard this a million times. Well, every day somebody's born who doesn't know there's a meetup at Two Cats Comics, 320 West Port 11 on November 16th, 7.30 p.m. That's why I say it, so then people can know. It's like when you sell t-shirts, Dan. You ever sell a t-shirt, Dan? Yes. And all you do, all you do, you feel like a, you feel like a dork. Because all you do for six weeks, however long, is say, hey, I got a t-shirt for sale. I see M-Y. I, what is it? In case you missed it, uh, a t-shirt for sale. And then what happens after the t-shirt's not on sale? What happens? Then people are like, well, I didn't get why a chance you, why to get it. Tell me? Yeah, I didn't why didn't you tell me there's it? a t-shirt? Why didn't you tell me there's a t-shirt for sale? These are questions that do not have, these are epistemological quandaries. These are not things that we are going to solve with a podcast, especially on this tiny, tiny computer that I'm using. But uh, that's why I do it. I do it because I love, I love this comic book store. I think comic book stores are a tough tough gig right now and i would love for you people to go out go pick up a trade go pick up hawkeye like you know just some kind of no-brainer like you you need this comic get yourself a watchman what do you Uh, think is the future of the comic store it's gonna i'll be dead honest with you i i don't know how they're gonna do it and a lot of it comes down it's not a simple reason but it is an explainable reason and that is that the distribution as i understand it the distribution system where there is a there's one company that does all the distribution for comics across America, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And they have a policy that applies only to comic book stores. It does not apply to other retailers. And the policy is this. So there's solicitations. They say, okay, the new uh, Ungainly Spider-Boy is going to be coming out in six weeks. How many do you want? And you got to go, Ugh, geez, I don't know. I mean, if I get five and 20 people want it, that's going to suck. Mm-hmm. But if I order 60 and three people want it, guess what? This particular company, who shall remain nameless, does not allow returns on floppies. You cannot take comic books that you have you are in receipt of and return them a la Kiss solo albums and get some credit for it. No, may I may I inquire? Do you know if that's different for like a bookstore, not a comic store, but a bookstore? For a bookstore, because bookstores sell trade paperbacks. Right, they're not buying those trade paperbacks from 
that particular company. And so, but also, once it's in trade, here's the problem. Nothing gets from floppies to trade unless it's a shown earner. Mm-hmm. This is a huge problem. You can read about this on the internet. There's all kinds of great comics, mostly with females involved, that don't make it into trade because they didn't have enough issues and they got canceled too early and it never became a trade. The stuff that makes it to trade is a shown earner. But guess how they show that that's going to earn? Well, it's either in a blockbuster movie which is also not as positive a uh, direction as it seems for comics. Uh, it's got to be a shown earner to make it into a trade. And then once it is a shown earner, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, you know, those are going to move. But you could go to a bookstore. You can go to Amazon. You can go to anywhere to get those. Anyway, the nice thing about trades, it's great for readers. Trade waiting is a good thing for readers because you can, like, get them all in one place and look at them. And it is a very good thing, especially for owner-created uh, like image style books. That's where the creators that you love make the most dough. You do not make a lot of money writing, drawing, inking, coloring comics. There's just not a lot of dough. And it's comically low. It's like babysitter level wages. Even the people who are like the the big, big people, like if you're a BMB and you've got like What's a BMB, Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, of course. But if you're somebody who has, but I mean, I mean, how many, Right. Let's be honest. How many writers and artists that you have loved in the last 10 years are doing Marvel comics right now? It's, it's kind of amazing. When I go, I frequently, if I do buy floppies, it's based on who, not even the character, it's based on who wrote it and who drew it, usually. And it, it's amazing how many names I just simply do not recognize. They're different names many, many times. And then sometimes you get like this nostalgic thing. Like, like for example, they're doing a Marvel 2-in-1 that is written by Chip Zdarsky and drawn by somebody else. But first of all, first of all, it's great. Chip Zdarsky is amazing. Uh, Marvel 2-in-1, great piece of my youth. But like that's a total nostalgia play. And those are established characters who can come in. Not characters, established artists who can come in and their name helps move a comic. You know, but like, anyway, this is a bigger conversation. But, you know, it's as far as what's going to happen, I don't know. I think the smart stores, like my beloved two cats, they do a lot with gaming. Um, they do a lot with events. They have book clubs and stuff like that. And they do everything right. And it's still really difficult, you know. And, you know, the conversation that's one of the conversations that's too big for today is that there's an ironic thing that happens with the increasing popularity of things like MCU and DC movies that does not have a huge impact on getting new readers to buy floppies in particular. It's just, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but now, and it's always just like one gimmick after another, whether that's a crossover event or Marvel's latest thing is they're re-re-restarting at old numbers. Mm. Have you seen this? Yes. That's like, that's like going to be their new thing, but... I don't know. It's a weird time. And it's, I'm, I'm not that nostalgic about the world of retail, personally. There's not that much about retail. I mean, like, I don't miss camera stores. Like, I don't miss, like, the experience of a lot of those things. But I do think there's a lot of really decent people working in comic stores, and I would like to see them thrive. And that's why this thing that I meant to be 20 seconds long has now been 10 minutes. And you're, tell, tell, tell me about your favorite uh, Austin one. I like what Austin books and comics. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, I think it's the first comic store that I ever went to where I would just, when I walked in there, I said, oh my God, like this is, this is the Mecca. This is, this is it, you know, like, yeah. and people talk about there's a, a Midtown Comics, I guess, up in New York. 
I've been that to place that. is crazy. I've been to that. This is this will stand toe to toe with that, I think. And um, anyway, it's Austin Books and Comics. Since you're into giving the address, it's five thousand two North Lamar Boulevard. Good. If you come to Austin and the, and and you like anything that is remotely connected to comics or i don't know you know even the 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 geeky movies and stuff that we like if you like there they actually have three or four stores there now they've got austin books and comics but then they also have uh guzu gallery which has uh art exhibits in it and they also have the little you know little like figures and dunnies and things like that and cool stuff from japan they've got that and then they've got another store uh, called Outlaw Moon, which is all about gaming. So, like, every... I'm not talking about, like, games from, like, Milton Bradley and Hasbro. I'm talking about every other game from old vintage Dungeons like & Dragons. T- tabletop games. Yeah. Uh, everything that you've ever played, every kind of role-playing game, all these other new sort of, um, like you're saying, desktop uh, or, or tabletop games, rather, um, they're all there and they have like, you can go there and play the games. You can buy the stuff. They got everything from Pokemon and magic, the gathering to D and D and, and beyond and all the other games. I don't know what they're called. They have all that. And then there's another store there called the sidekick store, which is where they have all of their, I guess, old stuff, mostly comics, but figures and other toys and, and gadgets and other things that I guess were in the main stores and then didn't sell or they're, old comics that just don't have a value, you know, that mm-hmm. they're, they're selling for like a buck a piece or something. Because you can't return them and then you sell them for like, you know. There you go. Maybe, maybe a buck a piece, but usually often even less. Yeah. And so like if you're just into comics, like this is the place to go. These stores have everything and definitely worth your time if you're visiting Austin. You're, you're getting into something though that I, I think, you know, let's, let's call out something that's sort of um, we're understating here, which is that it's also a site of community. Whether that's coming to the uh, Ungainly X-Man meetup or whether that's doing Magic the Gathering or book clubs or any of that stuff, there's a pretty good chance you might make a pal at one of these places. You know, usually you don't mind if you like hang out for a while and ask questions and you, you meet people and find other interesting nerds. And, you know, like, like, uh, like we're both saying, it, I think it doesn't hurt to move into stuff like collectible figures, toys, um, Funkos, if you're a Funko kind of person, uh, T-shirts. They got tons of magnets. It's just fun to go in and just wander around, follow your nose. Hey, here's one. Like, if you know, if there's somebody in your life who's like a, like a huge nerd and you want to get them, get them something cool, like, why don't you go in there and say, I have a friend who's really into Iron Man or I have a friend who's really into, you know, whatever. And they can probably help you find like a cool thing for that person. They definitely can. Support it. Yep. Austin. I'm trying to put these into show notes. Also in show notes, I have put a link to comicshoplocator.com. We've mentioned this before. This is a uh, site you can go to. You enter your zip code, and it will tell you where local comic stores in your area are. Austin Books and Comics. Good place. Mm-hmm. I'm loading. I'm clicking. I'm clicking. All right. That makes me sad. You know what I mean? Well, don't be sad. I won't be sad. But, you know, you remember, like, you go to the hobby shop, you know, get your, get your figs and have a Dr. Pepper and, like, hang out and play some Galaga. And that was, that was Valhalla to me. Mm. When I was, like, 14, like, going to the D&D store. Yes. Get some Estes Rockets. Ugh. I, I remember living. there was a really awesome comic slash role-playing game store that I think was in Sunrise, which was, like, 20 minutes away from, by car, from where we lived. 
and I would just beg, beg my parents to take me there. And to put this into perspective, this was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number three had come out. Wow. And so that's the time period. I'm guessing it was like early 80s. I must have been 11, 12 years old. And, you know, it was a trek to get out to this mall. My parents never wanted to take me there, but the store was in there. And it was like, just please let me get to the store. Let me get to the store. It's Saturday. You could drop me off. I could spend six hours there. I would just watch <laughs> other people like do campaigns. It was just because I, I, I didn't feel <laughs> right. up to it. Like I didn't feel like I was really like cool enough. Oh, to yeah, play, like, totally. The, right. You weren't these cool guys enough to play, play like, D&D. Old, some of these guys would play like old school campaign games, like yeah. really big, like 70s. Of course, this is the early 80s, but right. like 70s style giant, like with a big piece of plywood on a table, like huge, huge, uh, expansive games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, this is a happy occasion. Uh, Dan, did you want to tell me about something you like? I would like to tell you about Slack. Have you heard of it? <laughs> what? Are you even kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. Oh, man. I'm Have you ever used slacks. it? Is it? Are you new to Slack? I've, I've, I've used the Slack. I've used the Slack. I, I like the Slack a lot. The Slack is uh, sometimes like my favorite respite from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes I, I understand you can use, also use it for work is a thing I've heard. You can. Uh, that is, it is possible to do that. Slack, for those who don't know, Slack is a messaging app that brings everybody, your whole team, your friends, whoever it is, it brings them together to talk. You have a shared workspace where you can have conversations in an organized way. But there are so it, it, I don't know how to explain it if you haven't used Slack yet or if you have used it and you think you might want to try it for your own company or your own team or your own friend group. I know people that are using this like they have they're on um you know they use fantasy they have a fantasy football league and they're in there mm-hmm. during the drafts and they're talking about it and stuff like that. Um I used it a lot especially for Fireside because every customer of Fireside gets a Slack invitation. And then they can go in and they can ask questions. They can share things just, you know, right here on my screen. If I go to the, the general channel, you make different channels. Uh, there's people in there who right now they're, they're sharing tips of like, oh, here's, you know, here's what I do. Here's how I can, you know, help promote my show and get more downloads. They're sharing their numbers. They're talking about little tricks that they've found with their audio stuff. And, you know, they're just having fun with it. So if you're a new customer, like you sign up and then boom, now you're in Slack. You're talking to like, hundreds of other people who are sharing their ideas and tips and you can get, you know, find ways to make your show better. I know that you use it uh, with a bunch of friends to talk about podcasting stuff. Too. I, use it it's in, like, I use it for, for almost everything I'm involved in. There's a Slack. I'm gonna tell you two things I love about Slack because it's always two things with me. Um, one thing that I love is that it is that rare opportunity. I want to say to reinvent your team culture. It's not, that's not necessarily true because your Slack is only going to be as good as the person who's always leaving the last comment. Um, don't be that guy. But, um, but a Slack is an opportunity to lay down to, on the one hand, have this fairly free form way. You could have general or you could have the goofing around area, but it's a way to say like, you know, the way that we communicate with each other is important. And, and, you know, this is not nom. You know, this is Slack. There are rules. <laughs> that's that's so right. You can go out and you can create these different groups. You can obviously you can DM people individually, but I love the idea of like, for example, with the relay Slack, I can go in and shuck and jive with people. I can go in and look at TV talk or whatever. But of course, there's a reconcilable differences channel that only five, six people have access to where we can talk about stuff like, you know, when is this thing? What needs to happen with this episode? Oh, here's the thing I just caught that doesn't create an email thread. You zoom straight in. And this is, I guess, technically the second part. The, you know, the one part is that it lets you have these, these sorts of rules, but also that segmentation then becomes important. Not everybody needs to see everything. This is the opposite of the CC, right? It's the opposite of the blast, 
that goes out to an undifferentiated number of uninterested people. You can make sure that your message and your communication is Mm -hmm. segmented with just the people that need to see it. And it weirdly, after however long I've been using this, it still seems very fresh. It still seems important. If something's not important, you just mute that channel or you say, only give me mentions of this. Um, and I think it, I think it is actually tremendously useful. It really is. And, and it's really useful for all the reasons that you said. And also because it, it is, can be just a lot of fun. Uh, it can be fun to talk to your friends this way. You can have private messages. You can make custom Slackbot can... responses. Oh, that, yeah. That's really annoying and fun. Yeah, well, I, you know, like one of the things that I do in there is if, if somebody asks a question, I have a Slackbot that looks for certain keywords and it can provide links to like the FAQ or something like that. So, th- I mean, it's it's all. And plus, there's really, really awesome integrations for it. Like there's hundreds of other external integrations. So the one that... I know people use a lot like is the stuff you can do with GitHub where anytime there's someone pushes up a commit, it'll show the commit in, in that, in that particular channel that you assign it to. So if you pay attention to that, you can say, Oh good. You know, such and such a person just committed their code. Now cool. I can go check it out or I can pull. So little things like that, but there's over a thousand apps that will work with it. You can do drag and drop file sharing. So you can integrate that with like Salesforce or Jira or Zendesk or Google Drive. I mean, there's so much stuff that they've built in. They've got mobile apps for iOS, Android. Uh, it's so nice to know that you can be have a, having a conversation with somebody and like close your computer, pack it up, and then like an hour later, glance at your phone and there's the continuation of that conversation seamlessly. I mean, all this stuff is just built in. Go check it out. Just go to slack.com. That's it. Mm-hmm. Slack.com and check it out. I think you might find it's very valuable for you. And you know what? Like you can get started for free and you can stay free. So it's really cool. Really cool. Why wouldn't you use it? Shame on you. There's no reason not to use it. Shame on them. Shame on them. Slack.com. Slack.com. Our thanks to Slack for supporting 5x5 five five and back to work. Buck, buck. I like the, uh, would you call it a muted bell thing yeah. that you're doing? Yeah, I got a whole bunch of different ones. I mean, if I give it the full report, it becomes kind of a... Right. But that's... You, you really don't do that much. No. You know, but you can get a nice ironic effect, like uh, you know, John Syracuse mentioning file systems. You get that one, you mm-hmm. know. Play it like an instrument. You can play one way see badly on it. I think you do better with a triangle. Oh, yeah. Let's see here. You ever thought about that? How about a carpet knife on the bell? I think we got to get you a triangle. Would you use a triangle if we had one sent out to you? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, especially if it had a stand. Do they come with a stands? A triangle on a stand I could roll with. Triangle instrument in musical mm-hmm. instruments. Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Rhythm band musical steel triangle eight inch by Rhythm Band. My daughter's birthday is coming up, which reminds me that your birthday is coming up. That's right. Don't we have similar similar days? You are very near each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Happy, uh, happy pre-birthday. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not seeing any with a stand, but a lot of them do have a thing you could hang. Do you have a way to hang it from your ceiling? You mean like basically get a mount, like some fishing line, have it well, come all think, the way down think and think kind of, of it swing like over this, my head like the Sword of Damocles? Yes. Like, uh, you know, it's uh, the whatever is being cooked is done and, and you got to go out to the front porch and... Oh, I see. Like you're saying calling people to chow. Yeah, to chow. Chow time. Oh, chingada, chingada, You know, I could get one of those things like Jason Snell uses to mount his iMac. Maybe I could have it wall mounted. I could have a, an extruded arm that comes out. 
you know? Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. that way I could call people to chow from, from here in my office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they would love that. People would love that. People love unnecessary ringing sounds. Uh, we have fun, don't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I had this in yesterday's... Mm, I had this in our previous episode, but I yeah. didn't put it in this one. And now I need to go find it because I want to put it in... Watched a documentary about the sound of music last night. I uh, I haven't seen that movie since I was a very little kid. Oh, it's so good! Still it's good? a great movie to show to kids. It's a little scary at points, but it's pretty fun because of all the the oh, flying mm-hmm. monkeys. Yep, and the Nazis and the Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Three, four, six. Uh, so, oh yeah, so I will add this to this week's notes from the previous week's notes. 9 to 5 Mac, not a huge fan, but they had a great article. Okay, uh, technically, Dan, this is uh, things you already know unless you don't already know them. We go to press. Things you already know unless you don't already know them. 9 to 5 Mac, not, not a huge fan. 9 to 5 Mac article called Tips and Tricks, colon, 10 Safari Long Press Shortcuts for iPhone and iPad. Are you able to see this? See the thing you're sending me right now? Uh, look in show notes. All Should right. be in there for three four seven. I'm looking. Tip, tips and tricks colon. Uh huh. I see it. Ten Safari long press. Okay. Now, as part of our ongoing series of things you already know, unless you don't already know them. Yeah, I know. You're super smart. You already know these. You probably have Skype that works. <laughs> but these are some terrific things to do in Safari that I just did not know about. I knew about some of these, but I didn't know about a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Have a look at this. Did you know all these? No, I didn't know about this tabs one at all. Yeah, and these do not... I mean, obviously, some of these... Hmm, how do we put this? iPad updates have now given some measure of the things that we love, or often it's not, other people just don't use, of 3D Touch. Like, now the long press does stuff on the iPad in a way that it didn't used to. You can go check out this article in show notes, but for example, did you know that when you do a long press on the back and forward buttons, you can go through your history? I didn't know that one, but that's a good one. Do a long press on the bookmark button. You can add a bookmark or add it to reading list. This is a great one. Long press on the tab button. Those two little, like the magic, uh, magic square yep. looking thing. Mm-hmm. You can close all the tabs, close this tab, do a new private tab, a new tab. I did not know that one. I knew the These only are... one I knew in this whole thing was the image one. Yeah. Long press on a web page. I use this all the time, but you now have the option. You can open, open a new tab, et cetera, et cetera. Same for images. Long press on favorites. I did not know that one. That's a way to easily delete favorites if you're in there. Great one. Long press on reload. My official, did they include this one? Oh, they didn't include my actual, yes, here it is. My new actual favorite one that I use constantly now. <laughs> so you're on Safari. You're anywhere where you see the little lines, 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 justified looking icon that you, so some people know if you're in Safari on your iOS device, up in the location bar, you'll see the domain name. On the right, you'll see the reload button. If you do a long press on the reload button, you can do cool stuff like reload, um, get the desktop site, other cool stuff like that. Okay, but check it out. That one on the left that looks like justified text, if you click on that, you probably know this, you get the reader view, which means it cuts out all the cruft and junk on the page, and you get a nice, clean, beautiful, plain-looking text view of a page, which is so great in this day and age. Um, 
it, it functions variously on different sites. Sometimes it'll include images, sometimes it won't. But what you won't get is a lot of nine, nonsense and a lot of taboodle out, outbound links. Now, here's the neat thing to do. Now, long press, long press on that reader button, mm-hmm. and you can now choose whenever you go to that domain name, always show it to me in reader view. Looking at you, mm-hmm. Wired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not know that was even possible. That's oh excellent. God. I hope someday, uh, this is really low on the priority list, but I hope someday they allow that to be synced up across devices. So from now on, whenever I'm Safari, in Safari, remember, whenever I go to wired.com, I want to see, A, I always want to see the reader view, and B, I always want it to be with the following sort of theme. Oh, yeah, because here's the thing. You can then, once you've done that, you get a little, you know, click on big letter, little letter button. You can choose, do you want a white background, black background, gray background, etc. How big do you want the type to be? So like on my iPhone, I have it set to be a little bigger. It makes it easier to read. But how great is that? That's a really, really nice tip. Once you start using it, it's kind of hard to look back. And here's, here's a funny irony. I feel like it actually looks and works way better on iOS than on macOS. On macOS, it does this weird thing where it just kind of squishes it up. It does some like just some basic CSS trickery. Yeah. But... Um, and it doesn't fill the whole screen, obviously, but on an iPhone, it's just indispensable. And really, honestly, often enough on iPad, because the iPad version of a lot of web pages are just so bad. I wish people wouldn't make separate mobile versions. Are people still doing that? I, I just want Some, every yeah. website to look good on mobile. I don't want a separate website for mobile. I don't like that. It still exists. Um, I know, for example, I notice sometimes Maggie Haberman will toot something out and I don't say accidentally, but she usually posts to the, the, the flat, like, you know, slash New York NY times.com, but sometimes it'll be the M dot NY times.com. And, you know, it's a, it's an attractive page, but it is, it's just a CSS ish rendered, you know, mobile friendly version, Mm -hmm. but you're right. I mean, with responsive, is that the right word to use here? Responsive design? Yeah. You should theoretically be able to tell all kinds of stuff. I'm no, you know, Ethan Marcotte, but like I think that you know we've reached a point where like a lot of browser detection stuff can do magic for you. It really can. Not a, not a giant fan of nine to five Mac. I always feel inclined. I just feel like I need to say that, but uh, you can find it in show notes for this episode. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode three four seven of your Back to Work program? They can go to five by five TV slash B is in boys two is in the number W is in walrus slash three four seven three four seven. Now, I meant to ask, I think I asked you this in the last episode, but I think it was after we were done recording, so the listeners probably haven't heard it. But I'm mm-hmm. curious, uh, I believe you said that you use Safari as your primary browser for laptops, but on your desktop machines or, or, or when you're plugged in, you're using Chrome? I am not, this is not anything I've thought about too much. I use Safari on iOS. Because it's a really, really great browser, and it's like integrated with everything, and it actually is, I think, arguably the killer app. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, again, year over year, over ten years, I think the the star of uh, of iOS, iPhone, and then later on iPad uh, is Safari. It's a really, really good app, and it, I think that is arguably what really made the phone transformative is being able to like have a fast, capable browser. I use Safari on my MacBook Adorable just because I'm running close to like Dan Benjamin's stock on it. Right. Why do I use it on the desktop? I guess I just I, I have been using it for a long time on the desktop. 
I like a lot of the extensions a lot, a lot. I don't think, I feel like the extension ecosystem is not as big and useful on Safari. And when I'm using my big boy computers, because I'm doing big boy stuff, like I have like three different extensions just for doing Markdown. One is as simple as, you know, with the, with this code that I've, you know, created here, every time I click on this button, all it does is copy the current page as a bracket and, and uh, parentheses markdown link. And uh, you would be amazed how often I use that, or maybe you wouldn't, but I use that a lot. Mm-hmm. I use stuff like Downy, uh, this terrible app nobody should use, not terrible, but evil app for bad people like me who like to download YouTube videos. You just be on a page and hit Downy and it goes and gets it. Obviously, one password, stuff like that. I just feel like, I don't know, I've got a lot invested in the Chrome ecosystem, and I feel like I kind of trust the browser. But um, I love being able to do Apple Pay uh, on Safari. That is, I mean, have you done that much? Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Where was I? I was somewhere the other day on the Adorable, and I went to buy something on a website. And, you know... So part of the beauty is that Apple Pay is not sending your you know credit card in the usual conventional way. It's it's safer, but like it also can include your address. Mm-hmm. So like you don't have to fill out a big form to buy something. It's it feels so crazy now when I go to a site and it's got a multi area form to buy something. You know, use same address, a credit card, put in the CRC, beedly beedly be. It's so amazing <laughs> to be on the adorable. I hit buy, and then my watch dings at me and says. You know, double click this button to approve. Yeah, and that's it. So yeah, that that's my thing. What do you use? Well, I'm Safari. Uh, I use Safari oh, every, everywhere, pretty much. But for the longest time, I had been using Chrome on the desktop because, especially when I'm doing development, I find that it can be a bit better in that way. Especially looking at like the Air Console and other things like that. It's I find it to be a little bit better, um, just for me. But I miss and every time that i've used it i really miss the integration the the state and i tweeted out a question to some of our listeners uh last week saying hey anyone else still experiencing the battery issues for if you're using a macbook with chrome and all you have to do what's nice about sierra and i suppose hi sierra although i don't use it uh but you would go up to the battery menu in your menu bar and it'll tell you the apps that are using what they what Apple calls significant energy. And uh, Chrome, all you have to do is launch Chrome for it to show up in there. And typically Safari doesn't, it, it'll take a lot to get Safari to show up there. Uh, and so that's something that, you know, is, I think, useful. It, your battery, I just, as a test over the weekend... I just used Chrome as I would normally use Safari just by browsing for, you know, half an hour. And it it went from 85% to 74% in about 25 minutes. Wow, that's crazy. And that's on the new MacBook where I think they claim a nine-hour battery life. Uh, And I, I have never tested it to see if I could get nine hours. But I can tell you that I've used the laptop for the better part of the day as a laptop, not plugged in. And it only went down 15%. You know, I'm so the battery life on it is very, seems to be very good. It's certainly the best battery life I've ever had on a laptop ever, unless I'm using Chrome and it just kills it. I think there are optimized versions of Chrome that you can get 
from like third party people who have done things to Chrome in some way or, or stripped things out of it, but I don't like that. And anytime that I talk about using Chrome, uh, the jackals will say, oh, well, you guess you don't mind all your stuff being sent up to Google. They're watching you, you know, and yeah, maybe they are. <laughs> maybe they are. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, I'm I'm pretty much only using Safari now unless I'm doing a certain kind of development, in which case I'll use Chrome specifically for that. But I do have trouble with um, with Safari from time to time. There was that one thing that I think a uh, friend, friend of the show, Dave Mark, uh, and I were talking about at one point, which is, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but if you're in Safari and you might type something like a search term into the search bar, which is just the address bar now, or you might paste something into it and press, in either case, press return, and it, it seems like nothing happens, and huh. you actually can't get Safari to go anywhere and do anything. Well, uh, I think he figured out, or someone helped him figure out the problem, and, and the way to fix this is in preferences under search, there is a, uh, a section called Smart Search Field. And the first option in there is include Safari suggestions, not the one that says search engine include search engine suggestions, but the one that just says include Safari suggestions. Mm -hmm. If you uncheck that box, all of that problem goes away. And that that allowed me to come back to Safari full time from Chrome because I was running into that problem so much. I don't even know what Safari suggestions are. I don't know if I've ever seen them. I don't know what I'm missing out on but i now know that it behaves normally and it doesn't have that problem anymore and it seems faster that's super and tell me again where that is i'm looking uh preferences sir, uh-huh. search and okay. then you should see search engine and then the section below that is smart search field and the first one includes safari suggestions maybe it's my imagination but safari seems to s- respond faster to things in the search bar too maybe it's I just bet, me i bet that's for some reason, I have it unchecked. I wonder if I heard the same advice. And Maybe did you did and, and did it. I don't know, but I'm, you, you, you're doing the right thing. Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's a few things I've done over time where I, as an aging man, uh, I'm trying <laughs> to um, occasionally like reconsider what I'm doing to figure out if it's still like a smart thing. Right. I mean, you remember there was a time when bookmarks were everything. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, even even after the ascendance of Google. I mean, I, I had apps that did nothing but sync bookmarks between different browsers. Oh, yes, of course. Right? I mean, it used to be such a huge deal. And you know what I did on Safari? I went in and deleted all of my bookmarks, except for the ones that I would want to appear in a new tab, you know, as part of favorites. There's all kinds of stuff. Where I had folders in my favorites bar that were things that I, I, I mean, like lots of stuff with Pinboard, which I haven't really used actively in years and years and years. I had all sure. of these bespoke Pinboard bookmarks. I went and deleted all of that. Just on the principle, well, yeah, you know, maybe it'll speed it up in terms of, you know, whatever. But like, this is true for OmniFocus. This is true for Spotlight on iPhone. Like, the, it will be faster. You will get to what you want faster if you reduce the amount of stuff that you will never want. I say that with OmniFocus because... Partly because owing to the voice abilities with Siri and OmniFocus, I've re, uh, renamed and restructured a lot of what I do, grossly simplified what I do. Ditto for notes. I mean, one reason I, I don't use notes the way I use NVAlt is I want to be able to do it with voice. So I try to be really canny about naming in that way. I think this is the way things are going. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, like, if there's almost anything I want to find 
I can find it really fast and I don't need all those bookmarks. And all they do is clutter up the, uh, my ability to type a few letters and have it be the thing that I really want. And if I find myself using it a lot, I'll sometimes look at a new tab where it's got a fairly frequently updated list of sites you go to a lot. And there's one that I go to a lot, then I'll add that to favorites. But, you know, why have to wade through hundreds and thousands of bookmarks? I mean, let alone have to keep them synced and everything. It's just, it seems unnecessary. I think your point makes sense, though. I mean, I think that that seems reasonable. And I want to point out, though, that the handoff stuff, that will work even when you're using Chrome. For At first, I had thought it was only Safari. Uh, and, of course, I'm talking about where you have a website or web page open on your phone or on your computer, and mm-hmm. it, you want it to show up on the other device when uh, so that so that you can easily pick up where you left off. Uh, that will work with all of the apps, not just not just Safari. It'll work with Chrome if you want it to. Yeah, that's a crazy thing where I'll be doing something on my phone and I'll set it down as I'm logging in at work, and I'll see there's that little bonus tab off to the left, mm-hmm. right? The like, oh, there's something you might want here tab. Not tab, but you know what I mean? When you're tabbing through and there'll be the little line and then it'll it's be... It's like a little, uh, a little slide, a little thing slides up. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's Chrome because Chrome is my browser on there. And right. if I click that, that'll be whatever I'm looking at right now on iOS, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you have um, any chance you got a couple tabs, a couple, three tabs open in yeah, Safari? I got three right now. So go to preferences, okay. command, comma. Yep. I don't know if this is super new uh, with the new Safari, but I think this is great. Click on websites. All right. And now, look, all the tabs that you have open, you have the ability to go in and say, well, for example, I've said under autoplay, I've said when visiting other websites, never autoplay. But if there are tabs open that you want to do autoplay, you'll see them appear there and you can say from now on, oh, nice. stop me with sound, allow me, but look at your reader view. You can go in, anything that's open right now, you could say, always show this in reader view. That's kind of a, I think that's kind oh, of a neat, that's awesome. kind of a neat orthogonal that's way to look at it. That's a real good one. Yeah, page zoom. Like if you're on page, if you're on like an old site that's trying to be too clever about looking good in Netscape, like you go in and say, "I always want it to be shown this way." You know, it's also not a bad idea. Go in, click on microphone. Uh, when visiting other sites, deny. I have that turned off everywhere. Uh, location, I have ask. I'm tempted to just say deny. Nothing, no, nothing drives me nuttier than going to a site and having it ask me if I want the, the, the only next one down. notifications. Only like, no, exception to that is is if I'm. If I'm on a weather website, I want it to use my location. If I'm on yeah. Google Maps, I want it to use my location. That's it. Never. N- only those. And yeah, if you switch to, it from I... ask to deny, will you ever get the no- the notification you won't? So how would you tell no, it you it's won't. okay to use it? I guess you can't you, if you do that. You can't, yeah. I mean, you'd have to go do and what undo, you're doing right now, Undo it with this. Mm-hmm. I got it, yeah. Yeah, I have exactly one site in here to give me notifications, and it's the web version of a Slack that I'm on. It's the only thing I've granted that to. Yeah. These are good. Uh, these are hot tips and tricks. Well, under that notification section, that's where there's the little checkbox for allow websites to ask permission to send push notifications, which yeah. I know everybody wants push notifications from oh, every website me? they go to. I mean, that's like number one some, reason some, I browse. Uh, French language Android site, like you're really going to want to know when there's new information. Oh, All man. on Z. How else would you get unchecked? That? Yeah. How else would you? How even would you know? <laughs> That's right. Mm, I have that unchecked on mine, Dan. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So you know, it's a new segment. It's called do 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 do. It's called uh, uh things you already know, unless you don't already know them. Do 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 do. 
Got any other good hot tips and tricks like that? Not for Safari that I can think of. Those are some good ones. I learned I learned something today. Other good things in Safari, uh, you know, just the stuff everybody knows unless they don't know it, like that you can drag a tab off to be in a new window. That's a good one that I use a lot. Uh, what are other things that I use a lot that wouldn't be obvious? You can rearrange the icons uh, by uh, command dragging them around. Mm-hmm. Something most people know uh, unless they don't know it. Yeah. I also do a thing, you know, I used to be really into the uh, key combinations to go, does this still even work? No. Command command number goes to the tab. Do they still have a thing for doing the bookmark? Used to be you could hit like command one to do the first big book, bookmark, oh, bookmark. Right. Command one doesn't might, do that anymore. I think you have to do it that. It lets you switch a, tabs. The command one is... First tab, command two is the second tab, command three is the third tab, etc. I think you got to do that the uh, the animal way, which is you got to go into um, probably keyboard shortcuts. Probably that's another neat thing. That's another kind of old school Mac thing. Going in and like creating your own key commands. Hmm, I love the Mac. Would you say the it's Mac a- is the Paul Newman of computers? Married to Joanne Woodward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, all profits go to charity. Yeah. Please remember to like and subscribe. <laughs> hey, guys. Oh. <laughs> That's good. It is good. And we've got some other stuff. Did you want to tell me about uh, something else that you uh, like? Yeah, we got a new sponsor I would love to tell you about. It Shut is, your uh, mouth. No, Shut your a, dirty mouth. We've got a new, new sponsor? One. We do. You and only wake me for the important meetings. Well... It is called Video Blocks. Video Blocks. Video Blocks. This is a place video to go blocks. for studio quality stock footage. They also have great audio and images, but it's really affordable. All the content is royalty free. So you can use it for commercial projects. You can use it for personal projects. You don't have to worry. Everything there is royalty free and it's set up with the intent that you're going to use it and you're going to use it a lot. You can download all the stock media that you want from their member library including 150K videos, 100,000 audio clips. I mean, they have so much content in there. You wouldn't believe it. And they're adding it regularly, so there's always something fresh to download. There's always something new. They got a lot of good stuff in here, Dan. They really do. Go check it out. It's at, uh, I it's am. At, I'm using. I'm doing all of my regular searches. I search for hacker. Uh-huh. They got lots of good hackers. <laughs> I search for crying. They have lots of good crying. And I search for salad. They got lots of good salad. You know, hackers, lot of, boy, those hackers look dangerous. They really want your data. This is the thing. A lot of the time you want to work on a project, could be a presentation, could be a, you know, whatever thing you're doing and you want some stock footage, but you go and you check it out and you're like, wow, I don't have $18,000 for the four second clip that I wanted to use. <laughs> uh, How often does that happen to you? It, happen, that it happens seems like every time you turn around, I want a guy in a hoodie who's trying to get my data, but I don't want to spend $18,000. That's right. So That's out of my budget. Out of scope. You go here. And you get what you need, and it's going to be affordable, and you can use it all over the place, and it's great. And, you know, this is the thing. Another thing that we do, uh, we don't, I don't do it on this show, but I'm always looking for little sound bites, little audio clips, little things like that. You can get your hands on these there very, very affordably. Fun show art, tons of great images. It makes it so easy to find everything. So here's the deal. Go to videoblocks.com slash back to work. To get all the stock footage, audio, video, images, everything you're looking for for 149 bucks. Videoblocks.com slash back to work. 
millions. Studio quality clips, tracks, and graphics. Go check it out. Thank you very much <laughs> to Video Blocks for supporting Back to Work with Merlin Mann. Merlin Mann. Thank you, Bok Bok. I, uh, I haven't stumped him yet. No? So I put links in show notes. I want you to go and look at this new sponsor of ours. I got links for, let's see, <laughs> Hacker, yeah. Crying, Fidget Spinner. They got Fidget Spinner? They got it. Let's see. Let's see. What about uh, Life Debt? You know, like, like if you say somebody, save somebody's life, you got a life debt? No, that's just a lot of stuff about money. That looks sad. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to look at that. Let's see. What about, uh, what's a good one? Fireplace. They probably don't. Oh, look at all the fireplaces. They got, they got it going on here. I'm going to send you an image of what I'm looking at on this other computer I've got sitting on my desk right now. Okay. Uh, when that comes in, zoom, zoom in on that. Tell me what you oh, see, if right. you can describe what you see. This is one of about 10 sure. bizarre video artifacts that I've seen over the course of the last 30 minutes. Oh, dear. Dan. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Isn't that weird? It looks like a bench at a bus station. <laughs> What is this? So this is an older MacBook Pro that I have. It's before, you got you got to put that you could use that for show art. That's beautiful. Before yeah, I can. Before they came out with the Retina MacBook Pros, they came out with with what was called a high res. I'm gonna zoom in on get a better picture of it. They came out with what's called a, the high res 15 inch MacBook Pro. High res. High res. Res means resolution. Oh, it just changed. Now it's a different image. Anyway, they came out with this thing. And uh, this was the like one of our main laptops uh, that we had for years. And I had put it away and then pulled this thing back out and figured I could, you know, I wasn't going to use it anymore. Maybe. A, oh. Huh? Out of play? Talking to me. If you would like to learn how to use VoiceOver to set up your Mac, press the escape key. Okay, so it's acting now like it's showing me something on the screen. Right. But it's, it's doing still the showing it's doing that, the thing with the globes and the bienvenues right, and everything. Right, but it's right? not. It's still showing the same image that I sent to you, which is of a red checkerboard pattern going across the Apple logo that you see when it boots up with a frozen progress bar going across the bottom. And this is after I reinstalled the operating system on it. And I just I I thought you would enjoy. I, you I find it very satisfying. It. it looks like the like a like a seat cover uh, on a Delta airplane in the nineties. <laughs> yes, Doesn't yes. It? Like if it was red and blue, absolutely. It's, it's got sets of blue blocks doing a bishop's move. <laughs> um, oh, see, I had to restart it. Uh huh. Remember that Delta lady in the uh, pre-flight videos? Remember that? Remember that red-haired lady wag her finger at you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, you'd remember. Uh, yeah, you should put this up. Oh, no. See, I think you got a problem. I'm going to guess it's your, uh, with your video card, I'm going to say. But see, I rebooted it, and it looks good. It only happens after it. a certain point in the booting process. Huh. So when it starts out, it's all regular, all looks good, and then it'll get like two-thirds of the way, and then, bing, sometimes it's Dan, lines, have sometimes you tried it's it checkerboard. With the, have you tried it with the safe boot? Have you tried it with nah, the shift? I gotta do it. I'm, I'm going to do that later. All right. Hmm. Yeah. I can't even fix my Skype. Who am I to give advice? Yeah, right. Why, why would I take your Sickening. advice if you can't wow. even run Skype? Look at me. I'm on a tiny computer with bad arrows. <laughs> yeah. God, this thing's the worst. <laughs> I mean, I was looking at, um, who was it? Mac Drifter, I think, today was talking about the one of those cases for the iPad that all the kids like. That's got better arrow keys than my laptop. Mm. 
At least that's got that little T pattern, that little inverted T pattern. God, these arrows are the worst. Dan, what laptop should I buy? Um, if I buy a laptop, what should I get? I, I can tell you what I got. You got the MacBook Pro with touch dingus. I did, but only because I wanted the, um, I wanted the four ports. Does it have the same? It has the same keys, though, right? It has those arrow keys? Yes. <sighs> oh, look, at, now it's just a blue screen. Solid oh. blue, like Windows, but with Ooh. no writing on it. That Teletubbies thing? I guess that's green. No, this is just solid blue. That's kind of pretty. Oh, like blue. the window of death. Blue. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Blue. Blue. You got a blue screen. A blue, blue screen, but no white text on it. At least I, I would enjoy that. Fix it in post. Maybe I'll put Ubuntu on it. Ubuntu. Ubuntu. This is the year of Ubuntu on the Mac LTS. You're going to want to get the distro. I'll tell you which distro <laughs> to get. Going to want to want to check that out for your distro. Uh, I don't have much. I was going to recommend an interesting notebook. Uh, I have a word on uh, – I had a thought on time zones. It's not very interesting. It's mostly I'm already bored. Yeah, me too, buddy. I'm not even time, wow, time zones. Yes. You know, I've talked about it a lot, but it's, I still, I, I'm still suffering. I'm not going to suffer in silence. Time zones like you're in one, I'm in the other. So what? You know, never mind. It's a boring thing we talked about before. We've I talked about want, time zones? We've talked about time and time zones. How to deal, in particular, with those jackals who live on the East Coast. How to talk to people. I, anyone on the East Coast? Toy. No. It's the Beast Coast, I call it. <laughs> I love that. I've never Thank heard you. that before. Thank you. <laughs> this morning, my son's like, what time would it be right now in Florida? They're an hour uh, ahead of us, right? And I said, yeah. He's like, so it would be it would be 810 there. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what it's about an 10. hour from it's now? It's 10 Eastern time. <laughs> I'm like, isn't that terrible? He's like, yeah. It's Ugh. so early there. <laughs> <laughs> so late, yeah, whatever. Very interesting. Yeah. I just, I just, I'm trying to. In the same way, people make fun of me for my military time on my on my uh, computers and stuff. But you like, said I'm it's trying, to military time. Of course, I said it's a military time because it's unambiguous. There is too much ambiguity in time. You're a madman. And, and the people, the people, especially on the East Coast, but to differing degrees, other places are completely, almost completely tone deaf to other people's time zones. And I think there's a lot of unnecessary confusion. And I was just going to propose. Never mind. This is super boring. We'll do it next time. I just ha- I I here's what I want. I want people to. I want to establish a new etiquette of discussing time, where unless you're absolutely positive that you're planning an event for today with somebody in your town, mm-hmm. that otherwise we all adopt a method of talking to each other about time that does not have to be cute. It does not have to be clever. But it has to be unambiguous, and it has to be clear, and it has to be fault-tolerant and time-tolerant. Because I think a lot of times when we talk to each other about time, especially if you're on the Beast Coast, you just assume everything's going to be all wavy gravy, and whatever time I think it is is what time it is everywhere else. And I think this leads to a lot of unnecessary confusion, is all I wanted to say about that. Why don't you just switch to swatch time? Swatch time! I should do that. I should do that. Instead of hours and minutes... The mean solar day is divided into 1,000 parts called dot beats. Dot beats. Here's, here's, here's one thing. And I, I don't mean to in any way say that people on the East Coast are not terrible. 
because they are terrible. Yeah. If there's one thing to take away from this, it's that the East Coast is ruining everything. And, and that is because, okay, so like we are the emotional enablers of, of, the, uh, uh, of the East Coast. Because here's the thing. Somebody on the East Coast calls you up and they say, um, hey, do you want to do a call tomorrow at 8? Would you feel comfortable saying yes and walking away from that conversation and knowing exactly what time you guys were going to talk? No. I think it's absolutely ambiguous. There's the first ambiguity, which people don't talk about until they talk about it. But like, first of all, 8, eight is not a time. 8 a.m. is a time. 8 p.m. is a time. But even that's still not really a time because what time zone are we talking about? And that's why I think there's a new kind of time empathy that we should offer to each other. What I'm saying is the time empathy that people on the West Coast so kindly extend to everybody else in every other time zone because we have to, I am asking you, I'm asking for equal rights on this. And here's what I think we should do. I think when you propose a time to do something to another person, like like in your case, you happen to be two hours ahead of me. So if it's 8 a.m. here, it's 10 a.m. where you are right now. Right, mm-hmm. this becomes important. I I think I, I want I, this is this is an RFC, but actually don't at me. It's kind of a request for comments. It's it's a it's an RFP. It's something, but I think when you talk to someone about time, it would be nice to say something like, "Can we do a call?" And you you know me, you've seen this from me. Can we do a call tomorrow slash Thursday? And that Thursday being their Thursday. Mm-hmm. Because you got to deal with this. You know, there's a whole world out there. Everybody else, it's not just the East Coast. There's, there's timelines and stuff, and people in New Zealand aren't going to know which Thursday you're talking about. It's already going to be gone. You say, like in my case, I said, you, do you want to talk uh, tomorrow, Thursday, at 10 a.m. your time, 8 a.m. my time? And that seems so simple. But think about what I'm doing. First of all, I'm saying that tomorrow is a fungible asset that will be meaningless for people who get a lot of email. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to go in and look and figure out what tomorrow means. At the same time, tomorrow is extremely useful if you just got the email. But that's why, in a way that is not necessary, it's a little clunky, but I almost always do it, is to say, can we reschedule uh, for uh, tomorrow slash Monday or whatever, or, you know, however you want to do it. Understand also, when you say things like this Friday and next Friday, were you aware that people all over the United States think that means different things, this Friday and next Friday? Not everybody thinks that means the same Friday. Okay, if I were to say to you this Friday... What, what does that well, mean to you? As we record this, it is Tuesday, October 24th at 12.15 Pacific right. time. Also, I think we should leave out the uh, daylight and standard because it's just confusing. People are saying it to try and sound fancy and it's not actually useful. Um, so right now it is uh, Tuesday, October 24th at 12.15 Pacific time. Now, let's think of a good example of this. Um, how about this Monday and next Monday? If I say next Monday, mm-hmm. let's start with that. If I say on October 24th, Tuesday, I say next Monday, right. what date am I talking about? Okay. If, and today is Tuesday and you're saying next Monday. Most of us have gotten to the point where we've learned to say, do you mean this Monday or next Monday? Because mm-hmm. we know that other people mean different things. But if I said to you, is there any chance we could reschedule um, to uh, next Monday? Uh, now, intuitively, you would think it is the the next coming, the next available Monday, the next Monday that I'm going to hit. That's the one you mean. Some people think this Monday means yesterday, right? But I think this Monday would mean the next available Monday, Monday. that occurs. The next the Monday next, that okay. occurs. 
Exactly. That's I think this some money. people see a sliding scale of seven days in front of them, and whatever the next one is that that falls on, right, would be the one you're talking Correct. about. Correct. Yes. I don't think this is 100 percent true. I will stipulate. I couldn't draw you a pie graph for this, but I think if I say this Monday, there are some people who would think I meant yesterday. What if I said this Monday passed? See, I I don't hear that. I'll hear last Monday. People will say last Monday. I don't feel like if, but if if it's Tuesday and I say last Monday, I'm not talking about yesterday. I'm talking about a week ago yesterday. The 16th. Yeah, that's last Monday. Yesterday is the most recent Monday. And then this coming Monday is the next Monday. And next Monday is the Monday after that. I think a lot of people have a seven day block, Sunday to Saturday in their head. And this means whatever weekday we're in right now. That's confusing. And next means the one. Well, and that's why you've always got to ask, right? And usually you do, right? Because you're going to put it on a calendar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just, I'm, I'm being a pill about this because I think this creates unnecessary ambiguity that does not require an over-clever or over-cute solution. I think you can have a little bit of both worlds. And that's why I say annoying stuff like tomorrow slash Wednesday, because that's useful to know that I'm talking about tomorrow. To know, so if I say next Wednesday, or if I say Wednesday, well, obviously you could guess that that means a certain date, but you'd probably be wrong, or you might be wrong. So that's one thing, is I think what I'm getting at with the time empathy, though, is to, is to first start by what you know about that person. So if, so, and again, now I can get this wrong. Like, what if I say to you, hey, what if we talk, uh, what if we talk tomorrow at 11? What do you interpret 11 to mean? 11 a.m. When when your friend who you know lives on the West Coast calls you and says, can we talk at 11 tomorrow? Mm. What time do you think I mean? You see, I don't know because... If I was from New York, you'd damn sure know what I mean. Oh, yeah. If you're from the Beast Coast, then Mm -hmm. you're talking about 11, your time. That's the only time there is. But if you, Merlin, said it to me, I would think, oh... He's a he's a smart guy. He knows I'm in a different time zone. He's adjusting for me. He doesn't mean 11 his time. He's already done the adjustment. He's saying 11 my time, 9 his time. You did the non-intuitive thing that's exactly correct, which is you know me, and you know that when I say 11, I probably mean your time. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go a little further on this in a second, but that's not always the case. We cannot always assume that. So then what do you do? Guess what? Now you're exchanging two more emails. You're going to send an email, and then there's going to be a response to that. <laughs> yeah. Now there's two, two emails to go, 11 a.m. my time? Okay, now I know your time. What if I don't know your time? What if you are traveling? There's a very simple answer to this. Dan, can we talk tomorrow, Wednesday, at 11 a.m. Central Time, parentheses, 9 a.m. my time? I think that is a very charitable way to talk to somebody. If it seems noisy... Suck a nut, because that's what we need to do. That is unambiguous. Now, with that said, if it turns out that you are in Iceland tomorrow slash Wednesday, you have the opportunity to say, oh, by the way, I'm in Iceland. Can we do it at Iceland time? But you're giving somebody something unambiguous. It doesn't mean more than one thing. There might be edge cases and confusing cases, but like, go watch CGP's, CGP Gray's video about like uh, daylight saving time. It's mental to guess what time it is anywhere. And this is why the East Coast is all terrible, terrible people. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, 100%. So, other tips. Uh, da, 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 I think including both people's time is a good move. And you know, if you I just want to tell you. I, I want to say, in support of what you just said, this happened yeah. to me just yesterday. And wow, even really? doing what you said, people, unless you do it in exactly the way that you said, where you're saying tomorrow, Thursday, at, you know, 
I said to to a guy who is yes in the East Coast. I said, um, I said, okay, you know, let's talk tomorrow at 10 a.m. Central Time. I didn't do the thing I usually do, which is 11 Eastern, right? 10 Central slash 11 Eastern. I should have done that. I didn't. Guess guess who called me at nine? Oh boy, yeah. And I, I, wow, that's really surprising, Dan. (laughs) Isn't that surprising that somebody on the East Coast would just assume that it's yep, even though it said CT right there in the email. I mean, the the real secret inside of all this, and this people, uh, my friends rag me about this. Like, I truly believe that there's one time in the world that we should all be using, which is GMT expressed as military time. If the entire world would switch, it's like no matter where you are in the universe, it's always the same time in Greenwich. I think that's the time that we should all be using. And then you can transform. It's like, it's like, you know, coding standards. Like you could set up your development environment to be tabs or spaces or whatever suits you. You could put in pieces of fruit for all I care, but we do need a common understanding of what the, what the time actually is. And this leads to complexities. You can go look at YouTube videos about that. There's so much complexity to dealing with time zones and especially with daylight saving time, which mm-hmm. is why don't we just go to daylight saving time full time? Why don't we just do that? Like, why that. do we have that change? It is so confusing. I know. It is as we speak, Tuesday, October, October 24th at 12.21 p.m. Pacific time. It's only this week that sunset is starting to feel normal to me. Mm. Where sunset, sun, the sun is setting at a time that's like inside the 7 o'clock hour. It finally feels normal again. Right. Um, you know, I kid but I don't. I think this is a dumb problem that's easy to fix. I mean, if there's any kind of problem to fix, shouldn't it be the dumb, easy ones? It's so simple. And because so much of life is run by the East Coast, who honestly could give a flying fig about, about this stuff, really, they're terrible, terrible people. Presenting the other person's time, like I say, bonus credits if you give both people's times. I, I, I'm ready to be talked out of this. I think if you're scheduling something in December, for example... Uh, I would avoid saying standard time. I think a lot of times, I'm going to tell you the truth. I think a lot of times people say daylight, um, or rather like uh, Eastern daylight time or Eastern. A lot of people, here's the thing a lot of people say. A lot of people will say Eastern standard time because it means that they think it means something different than it means. They think standard means official, like it's official time. It's like the problem is if you say Eastern Standard Time, now I get that, I look at that email, I'm doing that scheduling thing. Well, if you ask for an appointment on Eastern Standard Time in December, am I supposed to calculate around that? Because, or, or you know, if you give me a daylight and when it's actually uh, standard, like how are you supposed to translate that? So I would personally, I, I will, I could be talked out of it, but I would avoid the daylights saving time and the standard times personally. This is a really nerdy topic. Mm. I like it though. And it's important. I think it is important. Uh, the bottom line I wrote here in my notes, make sure your future date and time will still be grokkable no matter where you are or what time it is. It should be unambiguous what time you're talking about. And I have two suggestions for people uh, because I live on one of the uh, coasts. I live in one of the places where we have to think about this. Two suggestions. One is a really simple website that's been around for a long time. It's called Every Time Zone. You go to everytimezone.com and it's got a slider. And it basically shows you, it's really good, especially for like today, tomorrow, yesterday stuff. I've never seen we, this site unless you told me about it and I forgot. Yeah, check it out. This is great. So you just slide and it shows you what time it would be in all those other places. Um, another one, I think I learned about is this, this from site Curly. responsive? I would say. Is there a mobile version? Responsive. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's, yeah, it's a little responsive. <laughs> it seems to move when I touch it. <laughs> Let me see here. 
<laughs> like a disused lover. Uh, also, an app I'm pretty sure I learned about from Mike Hurley, who really has to live this lifestyle because he lives in um, in London. There's an app called uh, Clock, K-L-O-K, and it's essentially just a widget. It's a widget for iOS where you can flip over, and all of your favorite time zones will appear, appear there. It shows you what time it is. You can do that with other means, but you know, if you live on the East Coast and you're one of those animals, you don't have to think about this because other people just take care of this for you. Oh, we just walk around a little pan, picking up all of your time leavings, all the little blessings of time that you leave on the floor. We go up and fix it. But I think it's a good thing for all of us to get better about. It's a dumb problem. It's easy to solve. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Do you have another uh, thing to talk about? Nope. I also like this notebook from Studio Neat, but I'll talk about that next time. Have okay. you seen the Pano book? Yeah, I have seen it. Isn't that kind of cool? Uh, it's not for yeah. me. Not for you. I love grids, and I love the hinting on top of the grid for doing thirds on the page. I love hinted grids. I'll talk about it next time. I like a legal size college ruled notebook. I don't even uh, notepad rather. I don't care if it's yellow or white. Don't care. And I like a stack of them and I feel free when I have one of those. And what's nice is you can have they're so cheap. You can have multiple ones. You can have different yeah. ones for each different project or or different thought concept, construct. And they stack nicely when they're folded open on the page that you left them on. You know, you just flip them up on top. You get to stack them on your desk. You grab the one you need. Oh, you want to talk about that? That's this one. Boom. There it is. John, it. Use a pencil. You can draw. Yeah. I always use a pencil. Got a black wing. Yep. Oh, I need to get some black wings. Uh, I use the, the black ones. I got some of the limitation red ones. I got the white ones. I got the gray ones. I like the nice, soft black one. Um, but you know what? I think one divide that probably comes up a lot when people talk about notebooks is like there's a couple things because it's always two things with me. One is like um, I guess the kind of like how much should your notebook like say about you or what is your standard for like what's an acceptable notebook for your fanciness or taste. I think the biggest divide is does this represent where on the continuum am I in terms of this is some combination of like stuff – I'm just doodling and capturing. This is just uh, ephemeral content that I mostly won't need after today, tomorrow, this week, next month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or is this something that I treat as more like an engineering notebook, like something I'm going to look back on and I want these dates. I want this to be in a certain format. You know, I think that's, that's one of the big divides for people is like, are you somebody, because I think those can run into each other. The classic example being, well, I bought a $20 notebook that I think should be archival quality and it's so nice I never write in it. That's the nice thing about a big pile of legal pads, right. or in my case, index cards, is they're just, they are disposable by nature. Right, and you don't have that. We've talked about the feeling where whenever you get a new one, you're like, I hate to do this, and you write the, on the first page. What do you write on the first page? The first page is profound. Yeah. Where it's you don't have to do that with every a, notebook I own. Yeah, you know, a notebook college ruled you know, thing from that. I just get it right in it. You don't feel guilt. You don't feel a problem. You know what's as nice as stickers? We're, we're a sticker family. You get lots of those... Um, the DK that makes them, you know, the sticker books for whatever property. I love putting stickers on notebooks. And I love putting stickers like on pages. It's a fun way to personalize it. Anyways, personal, I think we've personal enough people prowess. For this week. Beast Coast. Beast Coast. They're bad people. Yep. They I have, don't to, know I have to go, bad people, I have to go to the Beast Coast in, in a month and I'm not. No. Mm, oh, God. Don't want to go back. Well, you get to go live the high life for a while. You're just throwing times around like it doesn't mean anything. I know. 
Let's go out at Flippity 7 Gene. Is that you know, a.m. or p.m.? When you're here in Central Time Zone, you're, you get very used to adjusting for East and West Coast all the time because nobody, yeah, I bet, nobody's I in Central Time worse. Zone. No one is. Can you imagine being on Mountain? Can you imagine what that's <laughs> so like? So stupid. They don't even include it in TV listings. Anymore. I know. They gave up. They gave up. There's no point. It's because of the because of the uh, the legal marijuana. They're all they're all playing uh, Xbox now. Oh, nice. Colorado used to watch NBC. Not anymore. It's my bong sound. Oh. So uh, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin man.